reject the ideology of globalism and we embrace the doctrine of patriotism. Not only will this tax plan pay for itself, but it will pay down debt. There are moral and legal obligation questions that I think we'll have to wrestle with as a society. When we as people go wobbly on the truth, we go wobbly on America. All you have to do is look at the numbers, look at what we've done. And this is all in the beginning. How about now? Good morning, everyone. You're tuned in to 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. This is Evidence of Design. I'm your host, Jason Taylor, and we are joined in WXIR studios by my good friends and co-hosts, Matt Treadwell. Feeling thick as heck. And Mary Lawrence. Uh, I guess I am, too. (laughs) This is Saturday, March April, May. This is Saturday, May 1st, 2021. Ever since I was young, I could never, like, remember the difference between May and March. I have no idea why. But we're already at May, Saturday, May 1st, 2021, so that means we are live for you today at WXIR Studios. Our show, Evidence of Design, is all about critiquing income and wealth inequality. We think there is too much economic inequality in society, and we think we can do things about it. There's The wealthy and most powerful individuals and corporations control too much of the income, too much of the wealth, and also, perhaps most importantly, too much of the political and social power in our country, and that leaves increasingly more and more folks behind, whether economically, socially, or politically. Therefore, we analyze where this inequality comes from, and we propose what we can do about it. That is what we do here on Evidence of Design. Thanks for joining us. On today's show in particular, we're talking about two different things. The first of which is the recent legalization of marijuana in New York State. So those aged 21 and over can now legally consume marijuana, both, uh, well, recreationally, can recreationally consume marijuana in New York. I was going to say you can also legally medically consume it, but I'm not going to give medical advice. <laughs> so I am, though. Uh, yeah, Matt is the doctor. <laughs> he's the resident Texas reporter. Uh, he's not the soccer reporter. We have someone else for that, but he's also our medical reporter. So Whatever you need me to be. Whatever, Matt. You know, whatever we need from Matt, give us a call, 585-219-8889 for your healthcare questions. Matt will take care of you right away. He, he won't charge your insurance. He'll just charge you directly. So it's a great, great benefit you'll get. Yeah, all proceeds will go directly to my PayPal account where I am setting up a fund to uh, buy a, a private island. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really, you know, I, I'm not sure you can write it off on your taxes, but it's good stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> we're kidding, of course. So now in New York State, you can consume recreational marijuana, if you're age 21 and over, we'll talk about what that means. What is legal now? And what, perhaps most importantly, is New York State doing and pledged to do to address its perhaps over-enforcement 
of marijuana-related crimes, many of which, of course, are no longer crimes. And so New York pledged to expunge uh, thousands of criminal records related to marijuana and also pledged to use some of the proceeds that will be generated from uh, marijuana legalization and tax revenues towards the communities hit hardest by over-enforcement of marijuana-related crimes, particularly poor black and brown neighborhoods and communities. So we're talking in the first half of today's show about the recent legalization of marijuana in New York State, and in the second half of today's show, we're taking a broader view on a national sense and examining what's in the Biden administration's proposed $1.8 trillion American Families Plan. Over the past couple months on the show, we've covered what was in the American Rescue Plan, the American Jobs Plan, and now the American Families Plan. By golly, do I love being rescued. I love families. I love jobs. How does Biden know exactly what I want as a voter? They're so good at it. They are so good at it. Jobs, families, and rescue. Couldn't have come up with three better names myself. So we're going to cover what's in the American Families Plan, many of which relates to making free two-year college, uh, two, free two-year community college, expanding child tax credits, funding more teacher education programs, and more. We'd love to have your participation throughout the show. You can give us a call at 585-219-8889. Again, that's 585-219-8889. You can also stay in touch with us at our email, radioeod at gmail.com, or find us on Facebook or Twitter at Radio EOD. Mary, do we have any luck broadcasting live on Facebook at this point? Um, we are having some technical difficulties with our live stream, so we're not currently live, but I'll be working on it, so hopefully that'll be adjusted throughout the hour, and I will let you know in case you want to see our faces. Uh, for now, you'll just have to go to our Facebook page at Radio EOD and look at the beautiful cover photo and <laughs> pretend that you can imagine our mouths moving. That's really disappointing because I actually showered this morning, so I was really presentable all for you guys and gals and folks out there guess it was all for not well jason i am working on it we'll give you an update throughout the hour if we are able to get that going i shower every morning but i don't do it for anyone but myself <laughs> that's good too matt there's good medical advice as well to stay stay you know hygienic folks let's jump right into though talking about the legalization of marijuana in new york state so the end of Oh, God, wait, it's May now, April, end of March, I think, so end of two months ago now, the New York State Legislature and Governor Andrew Cuomo signed the legalization of marijuana. This was several years in the making. Andrew Cuomo, the governor, had proposed wanting marijuana to be legalized, but saying, you know, we kind of have to do it when the time is right. We got to have a study to determine its effects. A lot of folks, Democrats <laughs> in the New York State Legislature... Nobody really knows the kinds of effects that marijuana has on the human body. It's a very unstudied drug. Well, it's sort of half a joke because no one... no one, The government hasn't been allowed, and, and a lot of scientists haven't been allowed to study the effects of marijuana because of its criminalization and how it's been classified in like the, 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 the legal code. And so we actually don't know a whole bunch about the effects of marijuana on the body precisely because it had been 
sort of classified as a you know criminal related drug and so it's sort of it's sort of funny where it's like yeah we, we you know we tend to think and understand that it's fairly safe but we also don't really know the super long-term uh, effects because we haven't been able to study it because the government hasn't allowed it or at least provided a lot of funding for studies of marijuana so that is changing now you know culturally across the united states <clears throat> and it's been sort of a long time coming in new york Democrats in the legislature, some of them had, have really wanted to get this going for several years now. And the headwinds just proved at the right time and right place for right now, mainly because Governor Cuomo is under a lot of pressure for various political scandals. And so he gave a lot of concessions. Cuomo gave a lot of concessions to the Democrats in the leg legislature who have threatened to impeach him. And so he ended up signing this marijuana legislation which includes a lot of the money from the legalization of marijuana going to black, brown, and poor communities. That is something that Cuomo had been opposed to, and he wanted, you know, maybe not opposed to in spirit, nominally, but he wanted more control over the where the money to, would go. This legislation would be really one of the most progressive in the country to say, not only are we legalizing marijuana, but we're going to ensure that its funds and proceeds go to the communities that have been hit hardest by over-enforcement in the past. Maybe we need more political scandals then. Sometimes one man's inconvenience is another person's, you know, benefit. <laughs> I guess that's politics or Craigslist too. But so marijuana is now legalized in New York State for those age 21 and older. So that means right now, if you can smoke tobacco, if you can smoke cigarettes somewhere in public, you can also in general smoke marijuana in public as well that it's it's now legal to consume in public the legislation also proposes establishing a new office of cannabis management this will oversee the state's rollout of the entire sort of cannabis industry and oversight and regulations so it's going to create licensing for distributors for suppliers and retailers and producers it's going to create a system to ensure that there's cannabis quality and safety, which will hopefully tamp down on, say, uh, perhaps more sketchier products that's already available on the black market. It's also, as mentioned, going to establish the creation of a, uh, a social and economic equity program to assist those who've been disproportionately impacted by past cannabis enforcement. The legalization of marijuana in New York is projected to raise over $350 million a year in revenue. And it will has been projected to create 30 to 60,000 new jobs. There are several important aspects related to this. Mary, I know you're still working on the tech things. Do you want to jump in at all on this point? Because I know you did a lot of work on the legalization of marijuana this week. Sorry, I've been typing, so... Uh, <laughs> it's just an invitation, not a call out. All right, sounds good. I will let you keep going uh, for the moment, and I may jump in in a minute. No problem. So let's get into some of the specifics then. The recent legalization of marijuana in New York expanded the use of medical cannabis, so it expands the list of medical conditions eligible for use on cannabis. Matt, I'll save you from having to weigh in on this one. I don't want to you know, stress your, your, your medical degree too much. And it also allows the home cultivation of medical marijuana. Get me with it. I'm ready. <laughs> so uh, if medical marijuana had already been legalized in New York for several years. 
this continues that legalization and also expands the eligibility for which uh, diseases or treatments can be used uh, with marijuana. We also have various tax revenues that will be raised with the legalization of marijuana. 40% of tax revenue will go to education. <laughs> so uh, that old adage of, you know, I can partake in this thing because I'm benefiting the school district. Well, there's going to be a lot of folks out there, I think, who are going to say, hey, man, don't get mad at me for smoking marijuana. I'm funding, I'm funding education. I guess, I guess there's some truth to that. I guess there is some truth to that. Of course half jokes here, but I don't know, I've heard folks say that a lot. So 40% of tax revenue will go to education. 20% of tax revenue will go to drug treatment centers and public education centers. And perhaps most importantly, that's gotten a lot of press is 40% of the tax revenue from the legalization of marijuana will go to a community grant reinvestment fund. That basically means it'll go to communities that have been disproportionately affected by marijuana enforcement in the past. That is something that's been fairly unique as New York is the 15th state to legalize marijuana. It's something that is fairly unique in that New York is using a lot of the funds for the communities that have been hit hardest. Is this something that has happened in the other states that have legalized marijuana? I don't. It might be to a lesser extent. My understanding, without having com- you know looked at specifically the 14 other states that have legalized, is that this is something that is, uh, is the most progressive is my is my understanding and that it might be used as a model for other states who are going forwards towards legalization of marijuana which of course is saying that we invite you to join us in on this conversation as well by giving us a call at 585-219-8889 what do you think about the legalization of marijuana in new york state what questions do you have we want to know 585-219-8889 8889 on evidence of design on 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. Although marijuana has been legalized, there it will still be up, however, to the jurisdiction of different towns and cities and areas in various ways. So, for instance, marijuana is legal right now. If you possess marijuana and you're smoking marijuana, uh, you are allowed to do that with some instances. You can't possess as much marijuana as you want. But you can't buy marijuana yet in New York State because there are no licenses that have been given out to distributors. That will take at least another year to go into effect. So it's this, uh, this stuff always strikes me as really interesting. Like, yeah, you know, you can, you can smoke marijuana now. You can it's, consume. You just can, may not purchase, sell, or buy. <laughs> right. Just purchase can't, or buy. Just can't really buy it right now. You know, it's like, oh, interesting. And by the way, marijuana is still not legal on a federal level. So technically it's still illegal that way it's like the weirdest gray area in terms of how it works it's really interesting stuff so cities towns and villages may opt out of allowing the adult use of cannabis retail dispensaries or on-site consumption licenses so this means that cities towns and villages have until the end of this year to determine how marijuana use will look locally let's just make it more confusing (laughs) <laughs> Just to clarify, though, uh, cities, towns, and villages are allowed to restrict distribution or retail. They are, however, not allowed to make it so that people can't smoke. So they're not allowed to criminalize use of marijuana. Right. They can they can determine access to it in certain ways, you know, how it's mm-hmm. sold and whatnot, but they can't criminalize the, the use of it. Just like you said, Mary. Is marijuana the new Planned Parenthood? 
Right. It's gonna. You can smoke <laughs> marijuana. There's just no marijuana <laughs> dispensation sites in all of New York City. Or yeah. All of New York, rather. Yeah. You can. You could use marijuana. Just. You can have an abortion. There's just no abortion clinics anywhere. And just go to New Jersey. Yeah. Alabama. <laughs> right. That uh, maybe we'll get there in some of the more red states. I don't know. But that's that's an interesting comparison. So now, although you can use marijuana in public, you know that that is legal. Uh, you still cannot smoke cannabis in schools, in workplaces, or inside your car. That is important to note that uh, you know even before this legalization of marijuana, and it continues after, you cannot drive under the influence of marijuana. That's driving, I believe, while in bil- ability impaired. Mm-hmm. And so that is still something that is, is really important to know is you should not drive while high, as supported by current medical evidence, that it, it would impair your driving. And so... Um, good to know yeah and at the moment this was kind of an interesting note there isn't a way to test so like when you get pulled over because you're drunk there are field tests field sobriety tests that police run to see how you react and to test whether you have repeat um, the alphabet backwards yeah like (laughs) blood alcohol content or a breathalyzer test um for Marijuana, there's not an easy way to just tell if someone is under the influence, particularly because it can stay in your system well after the high is gone. So you may still have marijuana in your system and not be high anymore and be totally fine to drive. So the state is looking into ways that they might be able to do those field sobriety tests. But uh, for now, it's just good to know don't don't drive while you're high. Not a good idea. Right. And, and the state has pledged to put money towards developing a test that will be able to be used on drivers in a quick way yeah. to determine whether or not someone is driving under the influence. Don't drive. Uh, stay on the first floor. Um, only consume in uh, environments among people you trust. It's all the good stuff. All the good stuff. In regards to personal possession of marijuana, so we said, hey, it, you know, it's, it's legal to use it right now. Well, the following conditions apply to growing cannabis at home and the personal possession of cannabis outside of the home. So personal possession outside of the home, you can have up to three ounces on you. And in terms of home possession, you can store up to five pounds of cannabis at home. That sounds like a lot. It does sound like a lot. And you I do believe you have to make sure, you have to be able to prove that you're storing it in a safe way. But yeah, I'm just imagining like bricks. <laughs> Someone <laughs> having like like a huge brick of weed you yeah. know, in their house. Um, or a small which is cat's just kind worth. Of, kind of funny. Small cat's worth. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the size of a small cat. I now use cats as a form of measurement. You know, like how many cats would that be and yeah, so that's you're basically like a one-year-old you know <laughs> right. so you're talking about a small cat's worth of marijuana you can have at home is there any limit on the number of uh, guns that i can have no matt you can have as many firearms as you would like do not even bring up the second amendment i don't you care know that is the most sacrosanct thing in this country the the greatest error the founding fathers made was that the second amendment didn't come first what about alcohol no. Why are you bringing up alcohol? Of course you can have as much. <laughs> That's the Third Amendment, isn't it? <laughs> alcohol. <laughs> I thought it was the, the point .5 Amendment. <laughs> <laughs> so home possession, you can have up to five pounds of cannabis at home, but it must be kept in a, quote, secure location mm-hmm. away from children. Um, you know, put it in your gun locker. 
I don't have one of those. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to store it under my bed next to my uh, 44 Magnum. <laughs> right. In, in your pillow, which yeah. you sleep on. Uh, <laughs> sometimes Matt discharges his firearm with his <laughs> while he's sleeping. That's an alarm clock. <laughs> <laughs> so you can have, again, personal possession outside of the home up to three ounces in the home up to five pounds let's talk about home grow so now you can have personal cultivation of marijuana you can uh you can have up to three mature plants and three immature plants this will be the case when this starts um so you you aren't able to grow marijuana quite yet um this will come into effect 18 months after dispensaries open. So probably looking at more like two and a half years from now. Why is that, Mary? Marijuana is legal. Why can't we start growing marijuana right now if we can smoke it? Why would the government be saying, okay, it's legal, folks. Yes, you will be able to grow marijuana, but why can't you grow it right now? Why do you have to wait 18 months after dispensaries open? Which dispensaries, as we mentioned, might open a year from now. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at two and a half years from now you might be able to start growing marijuana in your home. Uh, best guess is that the state wants the tax money. Right. So I, I think what's going on here is that marijuana is becoming a business. And so mm -hmm. it is a way to ensure that businesses can have control over a secure supply chain before you have like home growers creating an ad hoc Craigslist like Facebook trading scheme of marijuana you know like this sort of distributed uh, gig economy-esque marijuana marketplace right because the state is in the process of developing licenses uh, that is by the way the sort of year to 18 to two years waiting point before dispensaries will open is that they don't have a clear idea of what those licenses are going to be for or how they're going to be distributed or how you're going to be able to get them yet um, so that's what that waiting period is for before the dispensary is open. Um, Let me ask you a question. Is there going to be an Instacart for weed? Honestly, I think delivery is part of what's sort of in, in the viewpoint. But, you know, so I attended this conference or a forum with the mayor and uh, Assembly Majority Leader People Stokes the other day, and they were talking about how this is, is a new industry that's opening up um, legally, obviously. It's been an industry for a long time. And um, part of what they want to make a path for is really legacy businesses. So businesses that have been operating underground, they want to make a pathway for those businesses to become legitimate businesses with licenses and allow for the people who have been doing this for years to be able to do it legally and make a profit. Um, mm. So that is one big part of, of what's going on. Right. And so they want those folks, particularly black, brown, or, or you know, minority and women-owned businesses. So having minority communities becoming the ones who will apply for and receive the licenses to be marijuana distributors and suppliers. Right. And that is what the, there's a 50%. Um, Right. Fifty. The goal is to have 50% of cannabis licenses go to, quote, social equity applicants, right. meaning those who are minority or uh, women. So that or those, you know, victims of domestic violence or injured veterans. Mm -hmm. So this whole sort of class of, of sort of minority individuals that uh, is a focus on social equity. 
by, by the legislators. Mm-hmm. So that's the goal. So as of now, yes, you can consume marijuana in public. <laughs> you can grow marijuana eventually, but not right now. That'll be legal 18 months after the first dispensary is open, which again might take up for, uh, a year until the licenses are granted after being created by the Office of Cannabis Management and then the brick and mortar stores open up. Really interesting stuff on this, you know, watching an industry be born out in real time. Yeah, and I do just want to make a quick side note that these regulations are for people who don't currently have medical marijuana use uh, allowances. So the the rules are slightly different for people who are already able to get medical marijuana. So they're going to be able to start growing in their home a little bit earlier. I believe it's six months after dispensaries open. They won't have to wait the full 18 months. So if you're one of those people who is able to receive medical marijuana, these may not be exactly the rules that'll apply to you. Right. And now let's talk about some of the criminal justice aspects of this as you're tuned into Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. So we know that a lot of folks have ended up at the wrong end of the justice system because of marijuana use in the past. With the legalization of marijuana, there is now an automatic expungement or removal or eligibility for resentencing for anyone with a previous marijuana conviction that would now be legal under the law. So this means hundreds of thousands of people, I think, Mary? Tens of thousands, but hundreds of thousands of records. So I think the state estimates right now a little over 100,000 records will be expunged, but you know, there are some people who have multiple records or multiple counts convictions on their record uh, that apply to marijuana use. So it'll, it will apply to tens of thousands of New York state residents and the state has set its own deadline of two years. So these may not happen immediately. You know, it says immediately, I think in our context, meaning that you don't have to wait around for it, but it still does take time to file that paperwork. So the state has a deadline of all of these records being expunged within the next two years, including for people who are currently incarcerated. And I believe they're trying to, at least in title, they're trying to prioritize people who are currently incarcerated because of these records. Right. Now, can, can you share with us the statistic again? Every time I hear this, it blows my mind. I'm like, no, 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 that can't be right. But it, it's cited over and over again. So the marijuana use between white folks and black folks tends to be the same, right? White folks tend to use marijuana at a similar rate that black folks use marijuana. Mm-hmm. However, the uh, enforcement, <laughs> the the law enforcement of, of users, how many of those who are charged with uh, you know, illegal marijuana consumption or distribution is vastly disparate. Do you have those figures locally, Mary, or in New York State in terms of uh, the disparities on race based on mar- past marijuana use or enforcement? I do. I have a couple of different ones. So one is actually between black and Latino and white people at, and the rate of conviction. So this is based on a report from, oh, I think Start Smart. New York uh, that was published a couple years ago and in uh, 2017 for example one of the statistics was that in 2017 in Maine upstate New York cities including Rochester um, a black person was 12 times 12 times as likely as a white person to get arrested for a 
marijuana conviction. And a Latino person was six times as likely. And just in the city of Rochester, so this report looked at all of the arrests made for low-level marijuana possession convictions over the course of eight years, from 2010 to 2018, 81% of those convictions, which was a little under, somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 convictions, 81% of those convictions were in the black community. Even though not only is the rate of use the same, but the number of residents in the city of Rochester is approximately equal between black and white. Right. There's slightly more white folks live in the city than black, but it's very similar rates across both levels besides the conviction rate yes that is just every time i hear something like that it's just mind-boggling it's it's the same effect as when as we've said on the show a million times before that the top 10 percent of wealthiest people in the country own 70 percent of all of the wealth like you say that and you're like wow that's weird and then you like go on with your life because how are you supposed to sort of process numbers you know unless something actually directly impacts you when you feel that and and you study it and live with it for a while you know so you, I just it's just mind-boggling to me yeah all absolutely times, you know 80 percent. it's just it's incredible and, but and that it, is also the reason that this was right. so pushed through legislation so assembly majority leader people stokes who's i believe from the buffalo area has been pushing this legislation for eight years yeah. primarily because of the disparity in the arrests and the effect that it has on the on black and brown communities, the number of people who have gone to prison for low level marijuana violations is outrageous. Yeah. And so that was one of, you know, the revenue and the tax and and the profit that the state is going to have is obviously nice. And I'm sure for some people that was their priority. But for Assembly Majority Leader People Stokes, her priority was to get people out of prison to clear people's records from something that really shouldn't be legalized uh, really shouldn't be illegal uh, because of the disparate effect on on the community right yeah and that's and that's how we get to where we are today in terms of legalization of marijuana in new york and uh, in many other states across the country and this is seen in many you know as a multi-pronged approach mary it's so interesting to look at of course, on the one side is with a, a new business opportunity, more tax revenues for for governments, but also there's a huge social justice component, and also there's a health component too. About like why are we criminalizing this thing that might not be so harmful and is already exists in a black market anyways? How can we, you know, how can we just do this better and safely and, and more more practically? Yeah, and before we turn to our next topic, I do just want to mention that the city has clarified. So Mayor Warren has clarified that. The city of Rochester will not be opting out. They will certainly be encouraging people to get into the business and are already creating resources for people to learn about uh, this new industry, uh, even though the, you know, the licensing and and stuff isn't clear yet. So if this is something that you're interested in, um, the city encourages you to look into it and you can actually go to the city city's website cityofrochester.gov forward slash legal marijuana uh, you can watch the forum that Mayor Warren hosted with Assembly Majority Leader Crystal Peoples Stokes nothing's really set in stone right now so the basic message of the forum was just think about what 
part of the industry you may want to have. Be creative, think about your strengths, and maybe look into the kind of licensing that exists for alcohol or other legal drugs to, to have an idea of what the process may look like, even though it's not clear yet. Uh, but you can look up that resource again, cityofrochester.gov forward slash legal marijuana. Marijuana and photonics. Rochester is on the cusp of a second renaissance. <laughs> we're a budding city. <laughs> hey, folks, we're going to take a short break here on Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. Stay tuned as we come back from the break. We'll be covering the second part of today's show, which is talking about what's in the Biden administration's proposed $1.8 trillion American Families Plan. In the meantime, give us a call. Let us know your thoughts. 585-219-8889. We'll be right back on Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM, WXIR. Daft Punk with Around the World, and this is Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM, WXIR in Rochester. On the first half of today's show, we talked about the recent legalization of marijuana in New York State. Now let's talk about the Biden administration's proposed $1.8 trillion American Families Plan. He unveiled, he unveiled this plan earlier this week before he gave his first address to a joint session of Congress. We've already talked on Evidence of Design over the past two months about very similar stories of the Biden administration's multi-trillion dollar plans. The first of which was his American Rescue Plan at the start of his administration, $1.9 trillion. It provided, among other things, $1,400 checks to over 85% of households. It increased the child tax credit. It was essentially still exists. We'll talk about it in a little bit. It was essentially universal basic income for families with children and many, many more things, funding for vaccines and healthcare as well. We also covered a few weeks ago the American Jobs Plan. This was the Biden administration's infrastructure plan, $2.3 trillion. Money would go to repairing broads, ridges, highways, broads, broads, <laughs> I only drive on broads. I have a backwards baseball cap. With your friends, bro Anderson and uh, <laughs> bro friendly. <laughs> backwards baseball cap and my Jeep Wrangler driving on broads. That's the only way I go. So yes, the Biden administration would propose creating a separate road system called broads <laughs> only for those who could prove that they're worthy enough to drive on them. Uh, just kidding. This money would go towards you know, basic things that we would consider to be infrastructure would also expand high-speed internet. It would improve our energy system, public transportation, Amtrak, clean water, clean air. I like all of those things. How does he know I like jobs and families? He's so good at politics. And now let's talk about the proposed American Families Plan. $1.8 trillion unveiled this week. What's in it? Good golly, strap on your seatbelt, folks. If you like families... You're going to like this. Families I'm, are great. I'm pretty much anti-family, though. I've been joking this whole time. I think families are the source of America's malaise. You're anti-kid, I thought. <laughs> That's true. Well, you know, no by baby goats here. Matt's anti-job. I'm anti-family together. It's a beautiful marriage of <laughs> political uh, fortune. Of ideas and... Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, let's look at what's in the plan. Mary, don't, you know, I, don't trample on our fun. <laughs> Sometimes I just get a little uncomfortable as the third wheel in this relationship. You know? <laughs> You're anti. What are you anti? You know, 
Take a <laughs> well, I'm very pro transportation, yeah. so it, I'll just go back and look at the infrastructure plan. You know, and that's private cars. <laughs> <laughs> so, in this American Families Plan, we have funding for child care, community college, paid family and sick leave, universal preschool, strengthening the teacher workforce, expanding the child tax credit, making permanent affordable care act subsidies making permanent the expanded earned income tax credit expansions oh my god let's go into some specifics folks child care we know that a lot of families in america struggle to pay for child care we know that those who provide child care don't get paid a whole heck of a lot so in the American Families Plan, the proposal is for low and middle income workers to spend no more than 7% of their income on childcare. So providing various subsidies for childcare, we'll talk about those. And the proposal would raise the minimum wage for childcare work to $15 an hour to try to benefit those folks doing that work. The American Families Plan would also make two years of community college free. So essentially everyone in America could get a free associate's degree. These proposals what are- What are you gonna get, Jason? Uh, yeah, I know, I just, there's so many opportunities out there and I'm thinking of going for business. I just, ah. I, I just think business is really important. I just, I, I wanna know how to make my money earn more money. I think I'm gonna go to the theater. That sounds really, really impractical. Yeah. yeah. I mean, no less practical than anything else, I think. Right. Besides business. The only practical thing one can do with their education nowadays is, is go into business. But hey, this is America. You can make whatever you want with your life. So now, hopefully, expanding community college to be free two years anywhere in the country. We already have something similar called the Excelsior Program in New York State that was born out of the Obama administration's push at the end, helped by Joe Biden, to make community college free. There's also the expansion for fa paid family and sick leave. So the proposal is to provide up to 12 weeks of paid parental leave or sick leave. This would be up to $4,000 a month for folks or up to two thirds of their wages. That is a big deal in America. Over 30 million workers, over 30 million of the lowest income workers in America don't have any sick leave, for instance, mm -hmm. and paid family leave is only something that's recently gotten buzzed and it was helped through the CARES Act as well. And so this would ex drastically expand paid family and sick leave for, for all American workers. And I believe in the past for people who didn't have specific plans, they often, uh, women who were going on maternity leave would sometimes have to claim disability. Right. Um, and... Which is, you know, just a little strange because being pregnant is not the same as being disabled. Totally. And we know that... So having a specific thing is a, is a step. Right. And we know in the past and still today, of course, employers don't want to hire women because they view them as a liability if they become pregnant or they could be fired or let go if they become pregnant because they're viewed as a loss of productivity. And so these steps would hopefully address those inconsistencies because we know that... Uh, Child care is really important, and especially if you're a conservative out there who seems to care so much about families, you probably want to fund the ability for people to take care of their kids, especially if you're a conservative who thinks that so much of our violence and stuff comes from broken families and bad parents. Well, it's probably good to, to, to allow parents to be parents, right? So I, I don't know why you wouldn't support something like this if you they essentially... They don't think that. Yeah. <laughs> they just say they do. 
So there's also expanded school nutrition assistance. This would expand the eligibility for folks to receive free or reduced lunch in schools. There's been a lot of pushes out there to make school lunches free across the entire country. That's not necessarily included in this plan, but it expands eligibility for free school lunches. And also it will propose to make permanent the pandemic electronic benefits transfer program. If you're in the city of Rochester going to the Rochester City School District, you'll know about this because you probably received a essentially a big credit card, a gift card worth uh, a couple hundred dollars last year that you could spend on food for your kids. The proposal would be to give this to families, to eligible families each summer when school is not in session. Mm -hmm. So families still have a way to help feed their kids because we know a lot of poor families rely on school meals to feed their kids. That's a big deal. The proposal, the American Families Plan would also strengthen the teacher workforce by expanding access to teacher education programs, funding for those programs, and better pay for educators. The American Families Plan would also expand the child tax credit. Right now, the essentially universal basic income for anyone who has a kid in this country, basically, except the wealthiest folks, the right now it only lasts for a year. That was through the American Rescue Plan. Mm -hmm. This proposal in the American Families Plan would extend that for four years. So universal basic income for families with kids, that's essentially 3000 to $3,600 per child that you just get from the government for having a child, for having a kid. So is that up to 18 years old, like from birth to 18, or are there more restrictions on age? Uh, I didn't write down the age here. I don't remember. We covered oh, okay. it in the no, past. Yeah, but if, if you just Google the American Child Tax Credit, it'll come up for you in terms of the ages and the eligibilities. You get more if the kid's younger, so 3600 if the if the child is younger. Gotcha. Um, this would be a huge deal. It's, you know, it's been claimed to, uh, to cut the childhood poverty rate in America by 50% by just passing this one thing. Also, what's really big about it is it's not just like a sort of an arcane tax thing that families have to wait for tax season to do. They can claim it as a monthly payment. So you can claim to get $300 essentially a month for having your kids. It's just a boost for having kids. It's a really big deal. How easy is it to file? I don't know. Um, I We need to get someone on here who's our IRS reporter. Matt, maybe you can add that onto your resume. But, um, yeah, that, that's a really good question, Matt, in terms of practicality. I'm not sure. And we especially know for the lowest income individuals, it can be tough when you do your taxes. But here's another big change that they're doing in regards to taxes. This blew my mind when I learned about this. The lowest income individuals didn't qualify for this child tax credit in the past because you'd have to pay taxes to get the credit. So they, they wouldn't qualify. Uh, somewhat backwards, actually. Seems very backwards, but it came out of the 90s when really the push was to punish those on welfare mm -hmm. with the theory that if you punish those on welfare, you'll incentivize them to get a job. Uh, didn't, didn't work out that, that worked out great. Didn't work out that well, folks. Uh, didn't, you know, didn't work out that one well. Of the, one of the other great innovations of the, of the 90s slash early 2000s, that and abstinence-only education. Very right. good. Really, really good stuff. Um, so what this does, and this is a huge deal, is it makes anyone eligible. If you qualify for the child tax credit, you can get it. Even if you're the lowest income individual, you can still qualify for this tax credit. That is a big deal. They all, this American Families Plan would also make permanent the expanded child care credit. So it's not just you have a kid, you can get money. This is you can get money for what you spend on child care. 
So you can claim up to $4,000 per child, essentially for those age 13 or younger on childcare. That's a big deal. And that's per year, correct? Yes. It will also make permanent the Affordable Care Act subsidies. So in the American Rescue Plan, the Biden administration expanded subsidies for those on the ACA, the Affordable Care Act, such that Affordable Care Act enrollees will pay no more than 8.5% of their income on health care subsidies, and the lowest income individuals will have their subsidies potentially removed entirely. And also, lastly, this American Families Plan would make permanent the earned income tax credit expansions. This lowered the eligibility from age 25 to 19, and it tripled the credit amounts in many instances and expanded eligibility to those without children. Thank you, Biden administration, for remembering those of us who neither have kids nor want kids <laughs> because we are anti-family. Nor like kids. Nor like kids. Just what about us? I'm going to start my own anti-family political party because I believe that we are not heard enough in this society. What are your, some of your policy points? My only policy point is to beat your anti-jobs political party on membership. That's it. Well, you're going to have a tough time with that. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> party of one. <laughs> party of one. So this is all good stuff, folks. The American Families Plan, the American Jobs Plan, the American Rescue Plan. These are multi-trillion dollar packages being put forth by the Biden administration. The largest investment in public spending in generations. This is a big deal. It is a big deal, Jason. And that seems like a lot of money. Where is the money going to come from? I got bad news for you, Mary. Oh, am I paying for it? I'm saying the two words that is political suicide. <gasps> Tax increases. <sighs> Tax increases. Can you believe that? You no. know, actually, that makes me pretty happy. They're basically going to raise the taxes on the lowest income earners so much that the tax credits they get is canceled out. Ah. It's really smart. So it's like, look at all the stuff that we're giving you, and then we're actually just going to take it away because we're taxing you that much more. So although you get a $4,000 childcare credit, they tax you $4,100 for doing childcare. It's really brilliant. Jason, I am so glad you're kidding and that they're actually <laughs> going to tax the top 1%. Oh, I got my notes wrong like here. like a dream, man. Wow, Mary, <laughs> you're so right. So I, I was kidding, I guess, that the Biden administration isn't raising taxes on the lowest income earners. They're actually Wait, only so raising they get, it. We get, so they're getting additional money and then they get to keep it. Yeah. That's great news. That's really smart. It's Wait, so the money is coming from people who have excess money that yeah, they don't need. That they don't need. And it's going to help elevate people out of poverty? Yeah. That sounds like a great plan. It's It sounds really smart to me. And, and, and they're going to help to pay for it by raising the top marginal tax rate on the wealthiest 1% from, hold your breath here, folks, taxes are proposed to increase on the top 1% from 37%, where it is now, to gasp 39.6%. Can you imagine what Jeff Bezos is going to lose out on with that 2.6%? You know what that sounds like to me? What's that? A redist redistribution of wealth. And I don't like that. You know what that sounds like to me? Socialism. Communism. Even worse. Bum, bum, ba -bum, <laughs> bum, ba -bum, ba -bum. All hail Mother Russia. <laughs> what song was that? Was that like the present? Like That's like the... I don't even know what it's called. They yeah. Just, they play Wasn't that like the Marseillaise? The, the uh, president walks out yeah. on the oh, stage. Oh, yeah. uh, never mind. It's I fine. Was, 
picturing. I did the, have to turn your mic like way down real fast. <laughs> <laughs> I was picturing the, super hot. <laughs> the Imperial March in Star Wars, but oh. that works too. I yeah. guess none of us know what that song is. That's fine. That's yeah. fine. We're patriots, you know. So, hey, folks, the Biden administration is proposing to raise the top marginal tax rate on the 1% from 37% to 39.6%. They're also proposing to raise the capital gains tax. That is money that people make on their investments from 37% also to 39.6%. They're going to try to tax unrealized capital gains on death. We've talked about this before, but long story short, there's sort of like a loophole in the tax system that allows people, really wealthy people who have a lot of assets, to give their assets to their kids or their their progeny um, without it being fully taxed. So it it would more fairly tax assets that people have accumulated through their entire lives or held on to through their whole lives to prevent intergenerational transfers of wealth. Yeah, I believe that money should be uh, 100% taxed. <laughs> Just take it all away. Destroy hierarchy. No, honestly, it's a really, there's really interesting theories out there where to say that there's no intergenerational transfers at all. Like, everyone starts off off the same slate. I'm not necessarily... That's what I, these people believe. Uh, if you ask them, they're like, oh yeah, I deserve this. I earned this. Right. I mean, that's what they'll say is that I started from nothing. You know, Practice what you preach. Right. I'm not necessarily saying I agree with like that idea, but it's certainly an interesting idea. Oh, I do. Idea. I think it's a really interesting idea. I think we should try it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think it has more credibility than saying you get 100% of whatever your parents have. You know, um, that, doesn't, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense for me. And uh, this is really interesting. The Biden administration would also propose paying for these trillion-dollar plans by increasing the funding for the IRS, the, the, the branch of the government that collects taxes, by $80 billion over the next decade. Why is this important? Because three episodes ago on the show, we covered how the IRS has been gutted. Its funding has been gutted by congressional Republicans over the past decade because it's in Republicans' interests to have a small IRS so the government can't collect a lot of taxes, so it can't enforce a lot of regulations and laws that will protect working-class families so that the wealthiest individuals Americans can get away without paying taxes. And so the Biden administration is proposing to restore and indeed increase funding for the IRS. Why is this important? Because dozens of the largest companies pay no federal income taxes every year. Last year, companies like HP, Nike, and FedEx, and even previously Amazon, paid zero dollars in federal income taxes. Since 2010, over the last decade, IRS revenue agents have decreased by 43%. IRS audits of the largest corporations have been down 55%. IRS audits of the wealthiest individuals are down 72%. Only 2% of those making more than a million dollars a year in the U.S. are audited. All in all, here's the statistic again, one that strikes me as much as the disparities in you know, marijuana criminalization or... Uh, wealth distribution is that the IRS estimates that it loses out on a trillion dollars in unpaid taxes every year. One trillion dollars that could be going towards funding social programs that are being evaded by the wealthiest and predominantly, you know, this is everyone, it's even low income earners, but predominantly by the wealthiest individuals and corporations. Well, then it would take like five years to cover all three of those plans if they were able to adequately audit all those people. Yes. And And companies. And if, if we had been fairly auditing and collecting taxes for the federal government for the past decades, we would never have partisan fights about how to fund things. But Republicans have created these funding disparities. Indeed, they've done it on purpose. 
Well, I mean, uh, Jeff Bezos needs that money to develop the gene-altering cocktail that will be used to develop the Spartan super soldiers to fight the alien covenant in <laughs> humanity's future. A lot can happen in seven years. Indeed, Jeff Bezos fighting the aliens. <laughs> you know, so we've covered the American Rescue Plan, the American Jobs Plan, and now the American Families Plan. These are really, really powerful and I think great plans uh, for the future of this country. We need stronger federal involvement. We cannot rely anymore on austerity policies, meaning lack of funding for public services. We cannot rely on the private sector's altruism, which... The charity of the ruling class. Right. We cannot rely on that. I was going to spend a lot of time talking about Senator Tim Scott's response to Joe Biden's first speech, joint speech to Congress this past Wednesday. Uh, it's 15-minute speech. It would take at least two hours to rebuke all of the lies and myopic nonsense that they were talking about. But in short, the Republican response to everything that has been proposed by the Biden administration so far has been, this is the government coming from you and interfering in your life. Gosh darn it, if the government is going to interfere in my life by helping me to go to school care for my children and ensure that I have access to health care, then I'm all right with that. <laughs> well, Jason, the interesting thing is they're not talking to you. Oh. They are talking to those wealthy 1% individuals who are going to have their tax increased by 2.8%. 2.6%. 2.6%. Yeah, That's even less. Don't, don't get ahead of yourself there. That would be outrageous. You know? Yeah, you know, I, I saw, I know, I normally try not to bring memes into this conversation, but I saw a meme the other day that was like, you know, if you pick up the $9.30 pack of chicken and you put it back for the $8.92 one, Biden's tax plan is not coming for you. Yeah. And I just thought that was a really nice way to illustrate it, where if you're listening to Republicans, but you are not a millionaire, you, you really don't have to worry about this. Nope. I would love to spend as much time possible engaging in substantive debate about how to do the things that are in Biden's proposals. That's worth it to me. I want to spend 0% of my time entertaining anything a congressional Republican has to say about anything because it's just complete bullcrap. And with that, we got to end our show. Thanks so much for tuning in to Evidence of Design on 100.9 FM WXIR in Rochester. I was your host, Jason Taylor, joined by good friends and co-hosts, Matt Treadwell. Hail to the Chief, baby. And Mary Lawrence. Have a good day. You can always find our past episodes on YouTube by searching for the Evidence of Design YouTube channel. We're also available wherever you get your podcast. Well, as a podcast. We look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks so much for WXIR for this platform for grassroots radio and media. Until next time, be well, be safe, take care, and bye-bye.